What's going on, everybody? Beautiful Sunday here in the QC. Hope you guys are having a great Sunday wherever you are. I uh, hope it also the beautiful weather back home in Florida as well, too. Uh, just kind of bringing today, you know, kind of want to shoot a little podcast your way. Uh, it's just going to be me. Of course, you guys know we are uh, rebranding the Wrestle Party podcast with my boys Jordan and Ark. We got a lot of stuff that's... Uh, in the works right now, just kind of rebrand it, get it back going again. It's been a man. It's been a hectic last couple of months, just transitioning everything over uh, for myself and definitely I know for Jordan R two boy Jordan last ugh, man last week got married, so it's always a huge thing that's going on in life. So he's you know settling in and all that kind of stuff. But we're definitely going to uh, and shoot that podcast back up. Hopefully within a couple of weeks. You know we got some stuff in the work right now, rebranding it, new name. You know, new concept and everything. We're still going to kind of have similar topics and just talk about everything in general and ideas and opinions on stuff. So we're definitely going to be dropping that pretty soon. But man, you know, there's a lot that man that's been been going on lately in sports. Uh, you know, everywhere from mixed martial arts to, of course, football, basketball. Just a lot going on right now. Wrestling, obviously, too. I'm kind of slacking on my wrestling game lately, though. Uh, man, haven't really been able to keep up with it like I, you know, like I would like to. Uh, you know, like we always used to cover, you know, the weekly shows and just every pay-per-view and event going on, whether it be WWE or AEW. So I'm definitely going to have to get back up on that. I've been slacking the last couple months with wrestling, so uh, hopefully I can transition back into it. But, man, one thing I want to talk about, it's, it's, just, it's, a great period. it's a great time to be a UFC fan. You know, UFC is putting out some great fight cards the last few months and then, of course, the upcoming cards that we have coming up. Uh, nothing's been announced really, no other big headline fights yet, all the way up, you know, December 245, of course we had the three title fights, uh, you know, Amanda Nunes versus GDR, we had, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway, and of course the main event, the 170 pound title, uh, Kamar Usman versus, uh, Colby Covington, which is the big end of the year card. It's gonna be a phenomenal card, uh, I mean, as a fight fan, you, you, you always look forward to it, you know, three title fights on one card, uh, it's just, I think it's gonna be a solid, solid card, we've been spoiled, uh, of course, 244 was just a phenomenal card from top to bottom, but in the main event, I mean, having the fight that we did with, you know, Gamebred, Jorge Mazadoff, and, of course, Nate Diaz, that's just a fight for hardcore fight fans, you know, two guys that are just scrappers that want to go in there and just beat the living shit out of each other, and, you know, prove, either who a BMF is. I think both of them are both BMFs, in my opinion. Obviously, Jorge has the title of the, of the BMF, So, but, I mean, you can't take any, anything away from Nate. Dude's a fucking warrior, you know? But, uh, you know, one thing I've been getting asked lately, ever since that fight happened, is everyone's like, man, what did you think about the stoppage? Now, I get what people say. Okay, it's Nate Diaz. You know what I mean? Here's the thing, though. Nate's, he's been in, you know, wars before. He's only gone to the fourth and fifth round twice in his career, though, when he fought Benson Henderson in a 155-pound title shot a few years ago. He lost that by decision, right? And then, of course, the fight back in 2016, the second fight with Connor, he, him and Connor fought to decision, and probably, I mean, it's, it's arguably the greatest UFC fight ever. In my opinion, it's my favorite fight of all time when the two of them fought the second time. But, you know, so it's kind of... Man, what would have happened? That's what Nate. They say, "Oh man, Nate has a cardio." Nate always picks it up. He comes out strong. This and that. Maybe that's true. You know, maybe maybe Nate does come back out in that fourth or fifth round, and he puts something together, and somehow maybe he you know submits 
you know, catches Jorge somehow. Maybe he does enough to, you know, get a 10-8 round and, you know, pull decision win out. In my opinion, and I think a lot of people that I've talked to that, you know, are unbiased towards, I mean, if they're big Diaz fans, obviously they're like, oh, you know, it's bullshit stoppage, you know, let Nate go. But, you know, if people that are fight fans just know in general, I think we all had Jorge up 3 nothing on the scorecards. I mean, the first round he t- he dropped him and it looked like it was about to be over there after he connected with the elbow and then the kick where it was his foot that landed on the top of his head. If it was his shin, I think Nate would have been out right there not been able to recover. Second round, it comes out, drops him again, hits him with a big shot, and then Nate just falls. And then the third round, like I said, Nate picked up a little bit. He got a couple shots in there. Um, you know, he fired off a leg lock, I believe. But it's just that, I mean, I think Jorge just dominated from start to finish. I mean, he, you know, he was connecting with the shots, significant strikes. He was just landing on Nate, you know. And, you know, he was pulling a a Diaz type of fight on Nate Diaz. I mean, he was coming forward, he put pressure and I mean, he was just, he was just piecing Nate up. I mean, so we don't see that very often. I mean, like I said, Connor dropped Nate a few times. I mean, we did see Nate finish when he lost to Josh Thompson quite a few years ago when, you know, he got hit with the big kick and got finished. We did see that, but I mean, Nate, you know, you never see Nate really like that. You know what I mean? So I'm a huge, you know, Jorge Mazadoff is part of my second, he's my second favorite fighter right now in the game behind Conor McGregor, so, I mean, I was so happy to see Jorge get the win, I mean, this, this revival he's back on, man, you know, the resurrection like he talks about, you know, it, coming back after the layoff that he had, after he lost to Wonderboy Thompson at UFC 217, back at Madison Square Garden a couple years ago, comes back takes out Darren Till, who was arguably the top one, the, he was one of the top contenders at the 175, excuse me, the 170 at that time, of course, coming off the loss to T. Wood, Tyron Woodley was the champion at that time, and then, uh, of course, Kamar Usman was ranked real up there high, and so was Colby, but I mean, Darren Till was a number one contender, I mean, he beat, you know, Cowboy Cerrone, uh, beat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, was a top contender in the 170, you know, Game Bread goes over to Liverpool, and Till's backyard, Till being from Liverpool, England, knocks him out, cleans him out, second round, eats one of Till's best shots in the first round, gets right up, smiles at him, and says, let's go again. Comes out in the second round, just knocks Till out, completely out cold, man, just knocked him out. And then, of course, we know the the, the, the history, the five-second knockout where, you know, he took out Ben Askren with the flying knee. That That's really kind of what put Jorge over the top, minus the three-piece in soda when, you know, he pieced up Leon Edwards backstage. Uh, you know, in the altercation they had after the uh, the Till fight night. But, I mean, you know, this this is what's great right now. The UFC is lacking in so many stars. I mean, you know, Connor and, of course, Ronda are just mega stars. Brock, you know, Brock Lesnar, when he would come around, is just a, he was a huge drawback when he was the heavyweight champion. And But, you know, the UFC is just, they, they've lacked stars for a few years. And when Connor became a mega star, the UFC needed that at that time from that 2014 to 2016 when Connor was the biggest thing going in mixed martial arts. The UFC needed that. They marketed Ronda when she first came over as this women's champion, and then Ronda was just a huge draw, just finishing everybody. You know what I mean? So you had that. And then, you know, with Connor becoming the star that he was from that 2014 to 2016 that he became the champ champ. Of course, he did the crossover with Mayweather. That just made him a global superstar even more. And, of course, you know, making him $100 million richer. And all the, you know, the business ventures and everything that he has ongoing right now, kind of distracting from the mixed martial arts world. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Connor in a little bit, though. I just want to, you know, kind of get back into, you know, 
Jorge Mazadoff and what's the future life for him and, of course, the future for Nate Diaz, too. Uh, it's kind of crazy because after the fight, you know, Nate was, you know, he showed respect, but, you know, he was kind of upset with the stoppage. And then, of course, like a couple days, like a week later, he started going off and was like, oh, man, you know, Jorge knew he was done. Like, you know, he started kind of like talking trash. And then, of course, he talked about retiring and everything like that. But then, of course, he came back and said that was bullshit. He's never going to retire. He wants to run it back uh, and everything. And then uh, Ari Hawani, uh, I have a lot of respect for Ari. I listen to his show pretty much every day. And I watch uh, you know, him and Chael Sonnen's show, Ariel and the Bad Guy, on ESPN Plus every Wednesday night when it drops. Ariel had Nick Diaz on. And this is the first time I think Nick Diaz has done an interview. Gosh, I think it's about four or five years. So, I mean, he's Nick's been out of the game for almost six. You know what I mean? So, for Nick to come on there, and of course, there's been a lot of questions about was Nick in his right mind at that? You know, was he was he drunk? Was he intoxicated? You know what I mean? He kind of seemed a little little off, a little out of it. You know, giving the interview, a lot of people said they had a hard time understanding him. Uh, I, I can't lie; I listened to it twice. The first time I listened to it, uh, I caught some. There were some bits and pieces I, I couldn't really figure out what he was talking about, but then I mean there was you know stuff I did catch, of course, where you know he said he lost you know desire to fight and he didn't want to make he didn't want people making a name off him anymore. But then of course he said he well I do want to come back and fight, you know I want to fight in you know Cowboy Stadium and you know Jorge Mazadov said he wanted to baptize my little brother, you know f that no one's gonna baptize my little brother say that kind of shit, I want to fight you next, Jorge. Like, I, you know, you caught those bits and pieces. And then the next day I had to go back and listen to it fully um, and kind of got the whole, you know, aspect of the interview. Some people were throwing out there that Ariel shouldn't have had him on and, you know, this and that. I, I don't think you can fault Ariel for that just because, I mean, he was, you know, he, he had the chance to interview Nick, excuse me, he had the inter- chance to interview, interview Nick, you know. And, I mean, like I said, it's been, you know, what, four or five years since Nick actually had a sit-down and a long, drawn-out interview. I mean, we've seen him do a couple pieces with, you know, TMZ and little clips, you know, a minute, two minutes long. You know, they catch him outside where, you know, he's at a night out or, you know, maybe catch him outside of a, you know, one of maybe his little brother's fight nights or something. But he's never really had a sit-down, long, drawn interview when someone's asking him questions in a very long time. So, it was a big deal. I mean, it was a huge deal. I, you know, I look at Nick Diaz as he's a true pioneer of the sport. I mean, he got in the UFC when he was, what, 19, 20? You know what I mean? Made his debut at 18. You know, you think about, oh, you know, he was never a mega star like a Chuck or a Tito, but just to think about how, you know, he, he's been around for so long. I mean, gosh, just at at, the, at a high level too. I mean, of course, the knockout of Robbie Lawler, which put him, you know, on the map. You know, of course, the Gobato when he took out uh, Tanaki Gomi over in Pride was something. You know, that was crazy. That streak that he had going from, you know, Elite XC all the way into Strike Force. I mean, he was just you know copping off wins, just taking people out, man. You know, finishing Paul Daly in round one. Uh, he had, of course, the bad blood feud with uh, Frank Shamrock, and he knocked him out. So I mean. You know, it was just Nick was on that role at that time. And then when the UFC purchased it, you wanted to see Nick Diaz get in there and fight against the best that the UFC had to offer, whether, of course, the George St. Pierre fight, BJ Penn, Carlos Condit. You know, you just wanted to, you know, see Nick Diaz fight. And, of course, we eventually got all those fights. You know, he fought BJ Penn and, you know, he beat him and then he fought Carlos Condit, lost a close split decision. I kind of thought Nick won that fight. Judges in Vegas, though, said a different story. They gave it to Condon. Uh, of course, then he does the, the big fight with George St. Pierre, which did a, which did a lot of a lot of buys and a big draw. It was in Canada too. Diaz was made as a you know super villain 
in that fight, which played off great, you know, with the good story with him and GSP, you know, the really, you know, you're the bad guy versus the good guy. I mean, we all love it, you know. People talk about, oh, you know, the fight game shouldn't have, you know, bullshit and, you know, people talking and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I mean, a lot of people hate Connor for that, you know. Oh, he shouldn't be, you know, doing this and that. But you know what? It's entertainment to the part. And also, a lot of people tune in to see it. I mean, if you look at what Colby's doing, I mean, granted, you know, it might be, oh, you know, he's doing the whole, you know, the MAGA and the Trump stuff. (coughs) Excuse me. You know, people hate that. But the thing is, you have also a fan base that wants to, they're going to be like, man, I want to see that guy get his ass kicked, you know? Screw him. I want to see him just get lit up and destroyed. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it kind of goes both ways, you know? Maybe, ah, you, you push it too far. You don't want a lot of trash talking going on. But and then again, you, we like seeing it, though. You know, we like seeing it. You know, when Connor's up there talking trash to somebody, you know, oh, who the fuck is that guy? Like, you know, we, we like that kind of stuff. The press conferences with him and Mayweather, I mean, just the going back and forth. People enjoy it. It's the fight game, you know? So, but, you know, I, I can see the other side of it as well, too, where people think, well, you shouldn't go too far and we're going to, you know, duke it out and we'll handle it in the cage, right? You know, I totally get that, you know, but the fight game is also a business too. And if you listen to Dana White's interview, any interview he gives when, you know, they ask him about it, he says, well, you know, we're all in the business of, you know, making money and putting on fights. And the people who make the most money are the entertaining ones that sell themselves. And that's what Connor, Rhonda, Brock have done, you know, so well. And, you know, and people maybe don't like to admit it. Casuals maybe not like to admit it, but Nate Diaz, you know, he for so long they said oh he's on a draw. Nate is arguably probably the second biggest draw in the UFC right now behind Conor McGregor. You know what I mean? I mean people can talk about oh Habib Nakamedov this and that, but I mean yeah Habib Khabib. I mean he's huge in Russia no doubt, right? But now he's also threatened to not fight back in the states. He's saying well I'm in negotiations right now with Tony Ferguson, but the fight the fight's probably going to take place in Russia. Okay cool. I think Dana and the UFC want to do that because there's so many Russian fighters now that are on the roster and they want to build that, you know, they want to have that relationship with the fight game in Russia where it's they can put on big fights. And, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I enjoy it. I mean, it was the last fight time, you know, when we had when Calvin Cater fought Zabib. I mean, I was down in Florida watching with Ark and that was a cool fight night. The crowd was really into it. You know, you had a load of Russian fighters on there and it was good fights. No doubt about it. And like I said, Khabib is, he's a megastar over there. You know, he's popular. He, he's, you know, they, they idolize him over there, which is good for their people, you know. I mean, in Russia, that's, the, I mean, that's their hero, you know, which is, in Ireland, Connor's the same way, you know. So, it, and it, it's, so it's good for him. But you also have the point now where Khabib is saying, well, I don't know if I'm going to fight back in the States again because unless Las Vegas apologizes to me for what happened. Well, going back to what happened was the incident. Okay, let's look at it like this. You know, he beats Connor uh, back at UFC 229. And then, you know, supposedly, I mean, what the story is, is that he said that Dylan Danis, who was, of course, uh, one of, who was in Connor's corner, uh, one of Connor's training partners and jujitsu coaches, uh, was saying some stuff, you know, I guess said some, you know, derogatory, offensive stuff to him. And Khabib threw his mouthpiece, jumped over the top of the octagon, and then jumped into Connor's corner, into the crowd there, and then, you know, went after him. You know what I mean? So Habib gets suspended. They hold his pay. And he says, well, you know, that's – they owe me an apology. Now, I don't, I don't see where he's, you know, coming off as that. You know what I mean? Khabib, you, you know, you 
you okay, you jumped the fence. You just won the you just won the fight. You know, you got the belt. Just beat Connor. Biggest fight of his career, Khabib's. The biggest fight in UFC history. Two point four million buys. Revenue was through the roof. That the 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 the, the revenue will probably never be touched again how much money that fight made and you know so Khabib gets the win then he jumps the cage right goes after Dennis gets into a scrummage out there here he is going around and it's just a whole mess but now he's saying that well Las Vegas needs to apologize because I wasn't totally at fault you know I don't get where he's thinking yeah granted maybe the guy said some offensive stuff this and that but it's just like Khabib you just won the fight you're the champion you know rub it in their face I know it, you know, it's your religion, your honor, you know, he explained everything, and you want to respect it to that point, but then it's like, you, you know, you can't throw demands around and say Las Vegas owes me an apology when you were in Las Vegas, and, you know, you broke the rules and did that. I don't know. It's it's strange to me. Uh, so it's just like, but I don't think, you know, Khabib is that guy. I don't know if he really cares about making all the money or, you know, being a big draw or anything like that. You know, I, I don't know if he really, you know, cares about that so i do hope the tony ferguson fight does take place and if it's in russia i feel like i can't wait to watch it i'll definitely watch it live and you know support support uh the ufc when they put the fight on i think it's going to be a great fight would love to see tony ferguson win you know um that would be great definitely could see khabib winning as well too uh but i would love to see ferguson win that fight so we'd have to wait and see what happens there now get back to it. Sorry, I'm getting off track. I'm all around here. It's just that there's so much that's we can talk about with UFC. Back with the Nick Diaz interview, right? So Ariel's asking Nick a bunch of questions, this and that. And of course, Nick comes off and says, well, now, you know, Jorge Mazadov, you're in a fuck position, is what he said. Is that quote? He says, you're in a position now that you got to see me. Because you're talking about you want to baptize my little brother. Nick's saying, I never said anything leading up to the fight. You know, never had anything bad to say. This and that. But then you brought this on yourself. Right? So now it's going to come down to me and you. Interesting is my word. Right? Interesting. I would love to see that fight. But not right away. Right? And trust me, you know, hardcore MMA fans could say, you know, they want to call you a casual. This and that. I've been watching the UFC since late 2006. Okay? Let's don't get into that. The first UFC I watched was UFC 66 when it was Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz 2. I've been watching UFC for a very, very long time. So, but here's the problem, right? Nick hasn't fought since when? When was that? UFC 80, what was it? UFC, was that 183 when he fought Anderson Silva, right? At 185 is the last time that Nick fought a professional fight. So, now... Nick was saying that I want to come back and fight Jorge Mazadov, who, in my opinion, is at the top of his game right now. He's got three stoppages this year. You know, he's got three TKO stoppages this year. He's on a roll right now. His star has never been bigger, right? And he's just getting started these next, you know, it's just, it's just taking off for him. And now, you know, Nick wants to say, I get it, you know, it's, it's kind of the Diaz mentality where it's like, well, you know, you, you, know, you beat shit on my little brother, then you said some messed up stuff, so now... You got to see me. It's going to be me in your fight, right? Okay, cool. But, do you, I mean, I think if you're the UFC, yeah, that fight looks great, you know? That fight, it, I mean, it's going to draw. I mean, a lot of people want to see it, but, I mean, I think it will be, it will probably be bigger than Nate and 
uh, Jorge because just like her, uh, you know, Ariel Hawani and Shell Sonnen said, if you put some real beef into that, if Nick is fighting with a purpose to avenge his brother loss and then all the stuff that he thought Jorge said and everything like that, yeah, it's going to make for an entertaining and a phenomenal fight. Don't get me wrong. But if you're the UFC, right, why would you not take Gamebred Mazadov and put him against the winner of Colby Usman next month? I don't get it. This guy has cleaned out the former number one contender when he knocked out Till. Ben Askren, all week they said that if he was to beat Jorge Mazadov that fight week, he would be the number one contender fighting Kamar Usman for the 170-pound title. Boom. Okay, cool. Game bread knocks him out in five seconds, the UFC record. And then, cool, Colby comes back. Colby beats Robbie Lawler, dominating performance, and now we want to have Colby and Usman. I get it. Better build. Colby was promised a title fight over a year ago. He was the interim champ, and, of course, he's had contract disputes. He's had holdouts. Different stuff go on. All right, we're going to book this fight. But in the meantime, we're going to book Nate Diaz and Jorge Mazadov because Nate came back, beat Anthony Pettis, and said, you know, I want to – I want to challenge, you know, we're going to we're going to put the BMF belt line and it's going to be me and Jorge Mazadov. What's up? Calling you out, man. Gamebred says, "Man, I'm taking the opportunity. I'm going to get paid. I'm going to make myself I'm going to make my star a lot brighter than it already is and I'm going to get more eyes on me and more mouths talking about me." And what did Gamebred do? He did it. He accepted the fight and he went in there, dominated an eight, won the fight. So now, right, you get the talks of Nick wants to fight him and then of course now I see all the talk where Connor and, and, and Jorge. I love Connor and I love Jorge. I want, I'd love to see that fight. Just not right now. You know, Connor has confirmed a bunch of both of his coaches, uh, Coach John Cavanaugh and Owen Roddy, have both said that January 18th, Connor is going to fight. Connor has confirmed that numerous times as well, too. So we're just waiting for an opponent. More than likely, it's either Cowboy Cerrone or Justin Gaethje uh, will be the next opponent for Connor on that uh, January 18th card, which I think will be UFC 246. But we're just still waiting for the official announcement. I would love to see Connor and Jorge. That would probably be that would do 1.5 million buys probably. That'd be just as big as maybe Connor and Nate was, right? I don't know if it would be as big as Connor and and Khabib because that was that did monster numbers. I don't see that ever getting touched this day and age. Um, of course with everything going streaming now with, you know, pay-per-view buys, I, I don't see that fight ever getting touched with the numbers in the UFC. But but excuse me, Connor and Jorge, I think, would do humongous numbers, and it would get so much attention from the mainstream media, not just the MMA media. But here's my thing, right? Connor hasn't he hasn't won a UFC fight since 2016, right? And in 2017, he did the whole boxing thing with Mayweather. Came back in 2018 and did the big fight with Khabib. Took the loss there. And now it's going to be 2020. Connor laid it out where he said, all right, I want to fight. Uh, you know, I have, I have the comeback fight, and then I want to fight you know, Nate or Jorge and then fight Khabib again at the end of the year of 2020. It all sounds good and everything, right? But you don't want to book Jorge and Connor this quick because, first of all, for one, that's a fight that Connor could lose. You know what I mean? And... I'm not saying he would, but I'm saying I could I could honestly see Connor losing that fight. And now you're in a then you're for the UFC and Dana, you're in a tough position where, man, our biggest star and draw of all time has lost back-to-back fights. You know, how do we do it? Connor's always going to be a star and people are always going to watch his fights and, you know, tune in to, you know, see him cut press conferences and, you know, 
just see him be Conor McGregor regardless. But do you really want to have him go in there and f- he has to go back up to 170 unless they do a catch weight at like 165 or 160? I'm not sure if Gamebred would agree to those terms unless the price is right for him. You know, he said that, hey, we're trying to get paid. We're going shopping now. That's his exact, his exact quote on the Dan Lebitard show a week ago. But do you really think a Gamebred going to drop an extra, some extra weight to go down and fight Conor unless he's getting some guaranteed money out of it? I don't know. Maybe I would, I'm leaning towards right now. I don't think he would. So, and you're in a position too where if you're the UFC and you're saying, man, we got Jorge Mazadoff right here. This guy, man, he's getting pulled. But, you know, arguably in the ESPN UFC era since they've started this, Jorge Mazadoff could be our biggest star yet. You know what I mean? Not the, you know, the biggest draw or anything right now over a Connor or, you know, I'm not saying he's Connor or Ronda Rousey level yet. I'm not saying that at all, people. So don't, don't try to attack me on that. But if you look at it, he's in the ESPN era, Mazadoff has been well talked about, you know, right now. I mean, he's up for what? He's up for breakthrough fighter of the year, most improved fighter of the year, knockout of the year and fighter of the year with the middleweight champion, Israel Adesanya. So you can't say that, you know, Jorge is, he's, he's not a name. He's not a household name right now because he is. Do you want to take the chance on him losing a fight against Conor McGregor or Nick Diaz before he fights for a belt? Because Honestly, the, the thing is crazy is that these non-title fights, like the Nate Diaz and Jorge fight for the BMF belt, a gimmick belt, had is getting talked about more and has drawing more attention than the actual 170-pound title between Colby Covington and Komar Usman. I'm not even kidding. I mean, before 244, they did the press conference with these two guys, and The Rock being the second part of the press conference, was more talked about than the actual press conference with the fighters during the fight week of 244. And then also, if you watch it, both Kamar and Colby are getting asked questions of the BMF belt. And do you guys want to fight the winner? Or, you know, what do you guys think of the fight? What's this? You know what I'm saying? So, Wow. It's like, okay, you know, you get a question or two, you know, would you guys want to fight the winner of this fight? And, of course, the champion and challenger are both, you know, Kamar and Colby. Yeah, I definitely want to fight the fighter, you know. And Colby would, you know, he called it, you know, the broken meteor, meteor fighter belt, you know, crapping on it. Just like Colby, you know, his typical character, how Colby does. And, of course, Kamar being the champion, not, you know, saying, well, I'm not backing down from anybody, anything like that. Granted, you know, we, we've seen it. So, but... You know, you got to take the chance now where we have a star in the making at 185 with Izzy right now. The style bender, Izzy, or, you know, Izzy is, is going to be a star. You know, I think 2020 is the time to build him up. And then, of course, they're talking about 2021. He might move to 205 and then do the big, of course, the big super fight with John Jones if it's still, you know, big at that time. But now at 170, right? We get it. You know, Jorge, he's a BMF. He's a bad motherfucker. He'll take a fight with Nick Diaz. You know, Nick went on, called him out. Jorge responded with, of course, the the graphic animation of him in the Scarface suit, you know, saying, you know, F the Diaz brothers, I bury those cockroaches. You know what I mean? The quote from Scarface. And we know Jorge. He's going to fight. If it's Connor or if it's Nick, he'll fight anybody. He doesn't give a shit. You know what I mean? He'll, he'll, he'll go in there. He'll fight anybody. And then he'll eat pizza or McDonald's after the fight and not give a shit. That's just Jorge. That's who he is, right? That's why we love him. The problem I have, though, is that 
why would the UFC, I mean, yeah, Nick and Jorge make a lot of money. Conor Jorge would make a shit ton of money. But I feel that a fight with, if Colby beats Kamar Usman next month, Colby and Jorge would be the best 170-pound height fight, in my opinion, since probably GSP and Diaz, when you think about it. That's not a knock against, you know, former champion Robbie Lawler, or of course Tyron Woodley. But if you think about it, that one, you had Lawler was fighting against two. Johnny Hendricks, Rory McDonald, and he fought Carlos Condon. Absolute wars. Great fights watching it. But I'm talking with the hype and the buildup, everything else, Those it was just kind of lackluster. And look at Tyron. Tyron Woodley, probably either the second or third greatest welterweight of all time, I would say, behind GSP. And you could put him up there ahead of Hughes, or he's directly right behind Matt Hughes, right? But definitely top three welterweight of all time in the UFC is Tyron Woodley. And you had him fight. He knocked out Robbie, won the belt, right? That was a co-main event. No, no, that was a main event. Excuse me. I thought it was a co-main event on a card. But then after that, Tyron was a, you know, he fought Wonder Boy twice, you know, kind of entertaining. The first fight was very entertaining. The second fight, I wasn't, I didn't think it was, it was all that. The fight against Damian Maya, of course, we know that was, that was not a good fight at all. And then he had the finish against Darren Till, which I think was probably, man, that was probably Tyron's best performance uh in the ufc minus the knockout of robbie and the knockout of josh koscheck if you guys you definitely need to check both those knockouts out but of course i would say his most dominating win it had to be i put it over i, I put his defense over darren till ahead of the knockout to win the belt against robbie lawler just my opinion though very very much impressive when he threw the big overhand dropped Till, who was a much bigger fighter and i think till was even favored in that fight coming into it so and Tyron, of course, with a second-round submission finish, absolutely amazing performance. But those fights didn't really draw, though. You know, outside of, you know, hardcore MMA fans, you know, those fights weren't really talked about. I really honestly think a Colby and Jorge fight could be very well talked about. Both guys, charismatic. Both guys are entertaining. They both can cut great interviews. They both have appeal. They both have fan bases. I mean, if you look at them on social media or different, you know, comments, interview sections with them, they have fan bases, right? Colby has a, I guess it's kind of, it's funny with him because you have a, you have a fan base that wants to see him get his ass kicked, and then you have a fan base that wants to see him be on top and be the champion of the world. Gamebred, I, I see more. I see, I see a, you know, some people that don't really, you know, they're, they're not really, oh, you know, he's been doing this for so long and, you know, he's really, he's not as good as they say. I've seen people criticize. I see more, I think it's more critics than actually haters of Gamebred. I think it's more critics than he actually has haters. But he has a huge, strong fan base now. And, I mean, this whole year has really built him up to, you know, I mean, I got people that I, you know, I work with or, you know, I, work, I see at the gym that are not even UFC fans, you know. They're kind of like, oh, man. Who's this guy, man? Knock people out with flying knees. And I know I saw, hey, man, I saw this guy on first take today, and he was talking about, you know, a three-piece in a soda. You know what I mean? So, you know, Gamebred's got a lot of eyes on him. You know, he's got, you know, eyes watching him, and he's got, you know, a mouse talking about him. You know what I'm saying? So I honestly think a fight between Colby and Gamebred, it'd be a phenomenal fight. You know, it would be that fight where who who is the best 170, right? Now... I could be totally wrong about it. Kamar Usman next month can go in and beat the shit out of Colby and retain the title. You know what I mean? Just like he proved a lot of people wrong. He was heavily underdog favored against Tyron Woodley. And he went in there and beat Woodley. Right? 
So now, what if he goes in there and what if he beat, beats the hell out of Colby or he finishes him? Now we have an issue. Well, now we can say, wow. And I think for Kamar as well, he needs to kind of have like Woodley. When Woodley had that performance against Till, a lot of people wrote him off, and then he went in there just straight dominated and finished him. I think Kamar needs that against Colby. I think he needs to go in there, and he needs to finish Colby Covington. If he wants to put on a dominating performance, that would be great. But I think the best thing for him would go in there and would be to finish Colby Covington, beat him up, finish him, and get a dominating win to prove himself, hey, the 170-pound division comes through me now. You know what I mean? And just to kind of silence a lot of people and then prove himself that, hey, I am the top dog at 170, you know? Now I want to see Jorge Mazadov next. That's That that would be ideal, I think, for Kamar Usman. So, you know, I think it's with the UFC at this point. Dana, you know, the UFC brass, the suits, they have to sit back and think, it's a business. We know it. We want to make the most money as possible, right? And we know Diaz versus, excuse me, Nick Diaz versus Jorge would make tons of money if they do it. Jorge, I, he's been, you know, posting stuff on social media the last week saying, UFC Miami, let's do it. Me and Diaz, I accept. Fans going crazy for it. I think it'd be a huge draw. It'd make both guys money and it would make the company a lot of money and attention as well. Jorge and Connor, same thing. It's going to make a lot of money. A lot of people talk about it. It's going to be huge. But, do we need to see those fights right now? I don't think so. I think Nick, if he's Nick, if Nick is 100% committed on coming back, right, and fighting, Nick should get a tune-up fight. Get in there and fight somebody at 170, like maybe a, a Robbie Lawler or a Mike Perry, you know what I mean? Somebody to go in there, get a tune-up fight in him, and Nick put on a great dominating performance. Cool, Nick Diaz is back in the game now, guys. You know what I'm saying? And now, you know, maybe summer, middle of next year, we're, we're, we're going to get him in game bread, you know? And with Connor as well, too, you know, Connor and Mazadoff is a, it's an amazing fight. I, hell, I still want to see Connor and Nate part three, but I think Connor in January needs to have a fight against Cowboy or Gaethje, right? Gaethje's the more appealing one. Cowboy, it, I mean, if it's like, a, you know, I could see Cowboy doing it, getting a payday, and then kind of retiring after the fight if he was to lose that. Um, I mean, either way, I think they're both good fights for Connor. I can I see him winning both, obviously, uh, and I think it's good. Now, if he was to go in there and fight Cowboy, boom, he cleans out Cowboy, knocks him out within the first round, maybe round two, has a dominating performance. I could see his case to say, all right, cool, now I want Nate or I want Jorge next, right? If Jorge, you know, Gamebred was saying April or May, he's going to come back and probably fight again. He wants to heal up, has a couple injuries, right? nagging injuries right now. He wants to kind of get past before he gets back in there 100%. I know Nate had to have surgery on the eye, and he had to get it fixed up, so I don't know when Nate will be coming back. Maybe the same time frame, April, May, maybe June uh, as well, too. And, of course, that would be ideal for a part three with Connor. why Jorge is fighting the winner of the 170 belt eventually. Connor gets in there, and then if he gets the, the third fight, we do the trilogy with Nate. Connor beats Nate, and then you have a chance. Wow, you know, now we can actually see... Now Jorge versus Connor would be something that'd be appealing, you know, because you want to, you want to kind of have it where Connor's coming off a win or two, you know, and ve- some very impressive wins too, you know what I mean? So it's we're we're all appealed to it and drawn into it, like man, Connor's been cleaning guys out, now he's going to go up and fight, you know, Jorge Mazadov, who has the BMF belt. You know, Dana was saying, oh, this is just a one off, this and that. I don't, I don't know, man. If if, if Connor was to come back and he starts taking heads again and just knocking people out. I really think 
him and Gamebred, they're going to do that BMF thing again. And, you know, if it's him and Jorge, I mean, that that's just going to be over the top, man, and make tons of money and have a lot of, bunch of people watch it. So, but also you get to a point where, man, what if Connor fights Justin Gaethje in January? And Justin Gaethje, I think, right now, is he ranked? Is he, he's, is he four right now? Because I think it's, isn't it Habib one? Or, excuse me, Habib's the champ, and then one is Tony, two, Dustin, Dustin Poirier, three, Connor, then four, Gaethje, right? So what if Connor goes in there, he gets Justin Gaethje, right? Bam, cleans out, knocks out Justin Gaethje. Because if Gaethje goes in there and fights Connor and beats Connor, he's guaranteed the next title shot, the winner of Khabib and Ferguson. But what if Connor goes in there and knocks out and beats Gaethje? What happens then? Because if Gaethje's on the cusp of number one contender, does that mean now Connor will get the winner of Khabib? And Tony for the belt. Now, Khabib said, no, Connor has to win nine or ten in a row because I had to win, you know, ten fights in a row, and then I'll consider doing the rematch. Okay, we know that's not going to happen. If Connor was to string off two very impressive victories, Dana's going to be booking the rematch with him and Khabib in a heartbeat. You know, if Khabib doesn't want to, you know, if he doesn't want to commit to that and he says no to it, then I see Dana stripping him, and, you know, we're doing a, you know, a title fight between maybe Connor and Poirier. You know what I mean? Uh, down the road so because also i think dustin poirier and nate diaz to me dustin was you know talking a lot of trash on you know social media about nate and that fight was supposed to happen last november in madison square garden if you guys remember that would be an actually that'd be a great fight to see nate and poirier i think that would be entertaining you know what i mean that that would be a fight i would love to see so there's a lot of different options right now for a lot of fighters and it's just an exciting time for the ufc you know, we, we haven't, and I think it's good because when I first started getting into the UFC, it was first started getting mainstream, you know, you, you didn't have a lot of stars yet. I mean, you had your Chuck Liddell and Tito and of course, Randy Couture, but you didn't have household names like we do now. You know, now you have a McGregor, you have Diaz, you know, you have Mazadoff. you know, Israel Adesanya is a guy that is going to, I think, take off. I mean, he's, I mean, he's. You got to say this, right? I think, in my opinion, if I'm if I'm voting, right, when Ariel does the award show for the MMA awards, I'm voting Izzy for Fighter of the Year, right? He beat the greatest 185er of all time, Anderson Silva, at the beginning of the year. Granted, Anderson's way past his glory days, but he did beat he beat Anderson Silva, and then he beat Calvin Gastelum in the interim title fight, and probably Fight of the Year was that fight, and he beat Calvin. He was hurt a couple times, and. He came back strong, and he won the fight and won the interim belt. And then he does the fight with Robert Whitaker at UFC 243 and just cleans Robbie, Robert, Robert Whitaker out. I mean, not even it wasn't even close. I mean, he dropped him in the end of the first round, and then he just completely knocked him out in the second. And he won the, and he won the belt. I mean, so I think you have to go fighter of the year. You have to give it to him, you know. And then, of course, I think he'll win fight of the year. And then Gamebred has to be breakthrough most improved and knock it out of the year has to go to Jorge Mazadoff. You know what I mean? And then you – and that right there with those two guys right there, you have stars. You you got to have Jorge fight for a belt you know, here early in 2020 and make him, make him a star and a household name that people want to see fight and they're entertained with. And that, that's got to be game bread. Israel, same thing. I think they're looking at doing Izzy and Yoel Romero – uh, maybe in March, April, maybe as well. I, mean, I think I think it's in March they're shooting for. That, in my opinion, I mean, I think that's because 
I mean, if you guys remember correct, Paulo Costa got hurt. He was an next number one tender. He got hurt, and I think he's out anywhere from six to eight months. So he won't be. So we won't probably see him fight again till maybe International Fight Week. They might maybe in July, maybe August. He'll be back. Who knows? He's saying it's going to be quicker than that. But I mean, if uh, coming back from the injury that he had with the biceps, I mean, I don't know if you can. I don't know if you want to rush that back, especially in the fight game. You know what I mean? So. Who knows? Maybe we'll see him back June, July, August, and then he'll fight the winner of uh, Izzy O.L. if they book it, uh, which I think, in my opinion, yeah, it's going to be a good fight. Uh, Yoel's always that guy. You know, he's dangerous, but I also think Yoel's at the point in his career. I think he's 43 now, and it's kind of like, well, he's still in phenomenal shape, and, you know, he's still Yoel Romero. He can hurt you. I just don't see – I just don't know if, you know, Yoel will – be Izzy. I think it's Izzy's time right now where it's just like, man, you know, he's not he's not the biggest guy, you know what I mean, compared to Acosta or a Yoel Romero, but his striking is just 110% on point and just accurate and a lot better than everybody else. And, you know, I don't know if Yoel will be able to catch him because Yoel, you know, he, Yoel's very unorthodox too. You know, he has different, you know, shots that he throws and he connects and you know obviously we've seen him knock out people he knocked out chris weidman with the flying knee we saw the course the knockout on luke rockhold so i mean he 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 hurts people but i don't know if he'll be able to catch izzy with anything like that because izzy is the guy that does that to people he comes at you from different angles and unorthodox and throws you off your game and he's the one that connects and hurts you so maybe you well and yoel doesn't put pressure you know what I mean? So that's why I don't think – I think to, to, to kind of beat Izzy, you have to put the pressure on him. It was always like with Anderson Silva, right? How do you beat Anderson Silva? You have to put pressure on him. You know what I mean? So if you look at the fight when Anderson was in his glory days, when he was running through the 185-pound division, Chael Sonnen, of course, got close at UFC 117 because he put the pressure on Anderson. He came at him. He threw punches. He went for takedowns, and he put the pressure. You can't let – you couldn't let Anderson get in – his, his groove and his fight where he sit back and he's setting the pace and he's going to pick you apart. And that's what it does with Izzy. If you watch Israel fight, that's the style. He lets you come in, he baits you in, and then he just takes you apart. you got to put pressure on him. You can't fight his fight. And that's why I think the Costa fight would be a little more – I think it would be a better fight than Yoel because I think – I think – Costa, he's not going to win, though. I think Izzy beats him. But I see him kind of pressuring more, kind of coming in and putting more pressure on Izzy and making it a tougher fight than I would with Yoel. Granted, I would love to see the fight with Yoel and Izzy. I just don't see Yoel winning that fight, though. Still, I'm going to watch it regardless. Let's move to the UFC 205 division. Now, this division, it's got a lot of guys in it that are good fighters, but then you have John Jones, who's a great fighter. And just the gap between everybody, it's tough, man, because with John Jones, you know, he arguably, I mean, he went through, he ran through the 205 division when it was Murder's Row. I'm talking, he ran through Ryan Bader, beat Shogun Hua, won the belt, ran through Rampage Jackson, Leota Machida, Rashad Evans, Vitor Belfort, Chael Sonnen, uh, Glover Teixeira, Alexander Gustafson, Daniel Cormier. I mean, the list goes on of everybody that, you know, John Jones has beaten. Most recently, of course, he had the Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos fights. They weren't very entertaining fights, to say the least, to John Jones standards, because John Jones, you know, you always expect him to put on a dominating performance. And they were dominating performances, but it wasn't his most exciting outings. 
But I look at these guys now, right? A Dominic Reyes and a Corey Anderson. And they're good fighters. But it's just John Jones is a great fighter. Like, what, what can they do that's going to beat Jones? I mean, I know Reyes, you know, he's a tall guy, big guy. But can he beat John Jones is my question. I don't think so. You know, I think Jones, because we haven't really seen Dominic against a a very strong base wrestler, you know. I mean, he beat Weidman. Come on, Weidman was going for the takedown, but Weidman was just so out of his... I mean, he got caught and he just got knocked out. I mean, I, I, I knew I picked Reyes to win that fight by knockout, you know. So I, I wasn't expecting Chris to do much with it. That's no disrespect to Chris. It's just I, I didn't see him winning that fight at all. So now... I look at Dominic Reyes, and I say I think that's the better option. He's, you know, I, I think he's he's the better fight right now over Corey Anderson. I know Corey Anderson came off the big knockout over Johnny Walker, which was an upset, proved a lot of people wrong. But I think right now Reyes is the guy to challenge John Jones next. I'm thinking. I said I think they're aiming towards February for this fight. I know John said he's, uh, you know, going to he's already back training and he's going to be fighting within a few weeks. So I think. They're going the February, the Super Bowl card, right around the same time as the Super Bowl. They do the big UFC card. I think that's going to be when John and Dominic Reyes fight. Uh, I'll still watch the fight regardless. Just I'm, I'm, a, I'm a UFC fan. I, I'm not a big fan of John Jones. You know, I respect him. I mean, he's, he's had a lot of stuff on his, you know, on his, on his legacy and everything else. I mean, kind of padded. I mean, the steroid, you know, the, the failed drug test and everything that's gone on. I, I don't, I don't want to judge somebody off of their. When when when, it, when you're looking at someone's you know, their career as him as it's kind of like anything with sports you know football or basketball you look at somebody's career and you say well he's got a lot of problems outside of you know what it is I I, I don't I don't keep up with him for his personal life you know I if I'm paying money if I'm you know watching a John Jones fight I'm seeing what he's doing inside the octagon you know so with him with the drug tests and the hit and runs yeah that that doesn't make him the best person obviously not I mean I'm a I'm, Conor Gregor's my number one fight my number one I'm. I'm probably one of the biggest Conor McGregor fans, you know, and we, we know all the allegations of Conor recently, you know, punching a guy in the bar and throwing the dolly and just everything that Conor's done, you know, but you don't, you, I think a lot in this day and age, people judge somebody's career off of what goes on outside the octagon. Now, John does have two failed steroid tests, and I think that's what taints his legacy, and that's why I can't put him as the greatest fighter of all time. That, I still say, is George St. Pierre, and then I put Anderson Silva right there at number two. I, I just can't put John over him because during their primes, granted, it was before, you know, USADA got involved in everything, but GSP and Anderson, you know, they they didn't have those allegations or those issues until, you know, later on down the road. GSP, I don't, he's never had anything, though. But I'm just saying, I mean, with John, you know, granted, his legacy's there. He's going to go down as one of the greatest fighters of all time, but the steroid test is what does it for me. I don't care about, you know, the stuff outside of him. With, if outside of the octagon with, you know, all the stuff that's gone on, you know, his the arrests and everything out there. That that's his personal life. I'm going off of his career in the octagon. I see him finishing Dominic Ray. I mean, I see him taking down Reyes, ground and pound or submission finish, similar to what he did to Alexander Gustafson that second fight. Got his back, took him down, and just ground and pounded out. I kind of see him doing the same thing to Reyes. I just don't think Reyes' ground game is on par, and I think John just gets him down. I don't I think John will stand a little bit with him, but Reyes well I, I think Reyes should come out. Because if you see a lot of these fights with John Jones, right? Anthony Smith fight was underwhelming. Anthony really didn't charge forward. He didn't put a lot of pressure on him. And he'll even he even still says in interviews, I just didn't fight my fight. And you know, Jones beat him. Tiago Santos fight, now Tiago tore both his ACLs, still finished it. Fucking warrior. 
But with that fight, Tiago was having success. Now, John Jones didn't shoot for a takedown. You know, and he said afterwards, I did it on purpose because I wanted to prove to people I can still stand. It was a decision win. But Tiago had success kind of similar to the first Gustafson fight where he was hitting Jones, he was getting in there, made it a stand-up battle. Now, maybe if, you know, he didn't, he didn't have the knee injuries, you know, it could have been a different outcome. Maybe he could have caught Jones something big, put John, put John in trouble, and maybe won the fight. Who knows, right? We won't know until maybe a rematch down the road if it happens. So I think now with John, you know, you look at, okay, maybe Reyes can have that same or similar game plan. But I think now, though, John is going to kind of come in and say, well, you know, if I do get hit with some big shots, let me go back to my fight. Let me take him down, ground and pound, look for the finish, get a submission, get the TKO win, get his back, however it is, finish this, and we'll go home. Similar to that. I, I, I kind of think that's what John's, you know, his mindset will be, his game plan kind of going into the fight will be that. I could be totally wrong. John Jones might come out, throw a flying knee or a spinning back elbow and knock Dominic Reyes out. Who knows? We won't know until we get to see the fight. But that's it's leaning towards that for the next fight at 205. And uh, like I said, I mean, it's not the most entertaining, but, uh, you know, hopefully Reyes, I mean, he has a good showing. You never know. You know, ever since, you know, when Anderson Silva, you know, got knocked out by Chris Weidman and then when, you know, I know this was boxing, but when Anthony Ruiz knocked out Anthony Joshua you know, excuse me, Andy Ruiz knocked out Anthony Joshua. You want to watch fights now because you might have the upset. John Jones has really never lost a fight. He was DQ'd, you know. He has a, a no contest for a steroid testing, but he's never been finished. He's never been in a situation where it's been, wow, Jones got hurt. He got dropped. Man, you know, so you kind of want to tune in to see maybe this will happen. Maybe this is the night that John Jones falls. Who knows? I would love, if John does win this fight, I would love to see him move to heavyweight I can't tell you enough how great of a fight would be if it's him versus Stipe Miocic or him versus Francis Nugano would be amazing fights. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I I, I know the UFC and Dana, they're not going to force or, you know, pressure him into taking a heavyweight fight because it's totally up to him and it's, you know, it's his career. But man, just think about it. You know, if him versus Stipe or him versus Francis Nugano, that would be amazing fights. And if John is really how John John preaches and he talks about you know, his goals and how he wants to be tested and he wants to be pushed, I think the biggest thing for him to get tested or pushed is to go to heavyweight. If you talk about it, listen to Anderson Silva or George St. Pierre, Conor McGregor, you know, they talked about, I went to different weight classes to challenge myself and, you know, see if I could overcome it and test myself, right? Anderson did it multiple times at 205. He fought uh, Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner, uh, GSP came back. Uh, after he was the 170 king, 125, fought Michael Bisping, finished him, won the belt. Of course, Connor, you know, won the 145-pound title, beat Jose Aldo 13 seconds. Then he fought Nate Diaz twice at 170. Then he fought Eddie Alvarez at 155. Then he made the crossover to boxing. So it's kind of like, you know, I think if John, if he, if he preaches what he says, I want to test myself, right? I think he should make the move to heavyweight. Daniel Cormier's done it. Daniel fought, DC fought at heavyweight, went to light heavyweight, and then back to heavyweight. He's, he's had success. Obviously, he's a, he's a double champ champ. So, you know, I think if John really wants to test himself, that's what he should do. You know, fight Dominic Reyes. Cool. Defend that 205 belt. And then after that, fight the winner of DC Stipe or take a super fight with Francis at heavyweight for the next number one contender at heavyweight. It'd be amazing. And it would test John Jones because he's going against a, the, probably the hardest hitter ever 
in the heavyweight division of the UFC, Francis Nugano, or and he's probably or he's going up against his arch rival, you know, Daniel Cormier at heavyweight, which is DC's you know natural fighting class, fighting weight class, or he's going to go up against the greatest heavyweight in my opinion of all time, Stipe Miocic. Those are fights that we'd love to see, you know. So I think, and, and if John Ray wants to get tested and you know push himself and all this kind of stuff that he preaches on, you know, if you look at him on social media and, you know, on his Twitter or Instagram, he's always talking about that. That would be the move for him is to do it. You know what I'm saying? That would be ideal to see John Jones at heavyweight sometime in 2020. Now, let's talk about the heavyweight division. Uh, you know, man, so a lot of talk now, I, I listened to Stipe last week on Ariel, and he talked about, of course, he's not rushing at all for the final fight with DC. You know, Dana came out and said that, well, we're going to do the trilogy with uh, Stipe and DC, right? Stipe said, yeah, okay, we can, we can go ahead and do that, but it's going to be when I'm ready, right? Stipe has said that he's going to wait. He said he got poked again numerous times in the last fight with DC, and he wants to recover, and, you know, so... I think Stipe's willing to do the fight, but now it's also where his, if you listen to his, with the interview where he talked about, well, I want to fight Tyson Fury now. He's kind of putting the game that DC made him go through. Because remember, DC held out for a Brock fight. DC took a fight with Derek Lewis. And then, of course, DC had, you know, had a, you know, had surgery and, you know, kind of took some time off. And he was just holding out for that big Brock fight he wanted to make happen. And Stipe, you know, he made Stipe wait. He made him wait over a year. Now, Stipe seems like he's in that same boat where DC, that's the fight DC wants. DC wants, that's the, I think that, I think it, looking at it, I think that's the only fight DC is going to take right now is that third fight. And that's the fight Dana wants to make. Stipe, if you listen to interviews and him talk on Ariel last week, he said, yeah, you know, I got no problem doing it, but it's going to be when I'm ready. And then he talked about, well, I'm more intrigued in fighting Tyson Fury and, you know, and MMA and either in the octagon and a crossover or hell, I'll go to boxing and do it. You know what I'm saying? You know, a lot of the guys now in UFC are talking about, oh, I'll go do boxing, you know, after, you know, we, we got Connor and Floyd, of course, you know, Tyron Woodley called out Canelo, uh, you know, Gamebred Mazadoff said he'd box Canelo, and then, of course, you had Francis and Stipe saying that they would love to, you know, box Tyson Fury, and then, of course, Tyson Fury came back and said, I would, you know, come to the octagon, and actually, I have no doubt that eventually I could see Tyson Fury doing a crossover in the octagon. Tyson Fury is one bad motherfucker. If you want, if you want to give out a boxing BMF belt, there's some there, there there's some killer boxers out there. Don't get me wrong, but Tyson Fury I think is a bad motherfucker in the boxing world because he says that hey I'll show up in the UFC. I have no doubt that within maybe two years or so we might see him in the UFC. But I think we have to get that Wilder rematch first with him before he does any uh, kind of crossovers. That we have to get that settled. But with Stipe and DC, for me, it's not, it's not the, I, I don't really want to see that fight. I mean, I, I know DC doesn't have a lot of options. I mean, it's either, yeah, fight the Stipe third fight or maybe go back to 205 and fight John Jones because, you know, you've never beaten him and then you were the 205 champ and you, you know, you had to relinquish the belt. You never lost it. Honestly, I don't, I mean, there's not a lot of options for DC right now. I mean, is he going to fight Francis? No, probably not, because if DC's already guaranteed to be the next one in line for the belt, why would he give that up in a chance where I might get go in there and lose to Francis, and then I won't be fighting at all for a belt? You know what I mean? So DC right now, at the point in his career, he doesn't have a lot of options to look at. You know, it's either I'm fighting Stipe or I'm fighting John Jones, and it looks like he wants that. He wants a third fight with Stipe, 
And Steve Bay said, well, yeah, we can do it, but it's going to be when I'm ready to do it. So now, because Steve Bay's at the point where, man, it might be, hey, it could be March, could be April, could be May. We might just do it a year from now, whatever, you know what I mean? Who knows? But, I mean, that is the next fight to make it heavyweight. Like I said, I'm not interested to see it. The fight that I want to see right now in heavyweight is Stipe versus Francis Nagano Part 2. The first fight, I think, Francis was overconfident, right? He was coming off the big knockouts. You know, he had that knockout where he just took Alistair Overeem's soul in Detroit that night when he knocked him out with that uppercut. And, you know, I think he, I think he really went in there overconfident, got very, very cocky, and then just Stipe just put an absolute clinic on. Stipe walked through his punches. He started putting combos together. He took down Francis. He, you know, he out, you know, he outgassed him. He outworked him, ground and pound. He just put a, he put a dominating performance on. And that's why I think it makes Stipe such a great champion and maybe, and probably the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. But that's the fight I want to see right now because I think it could be different this time. Francis, since that loss, right, he fought that fight against Derek Lewis. Hopefully one day we can see that fight ran back because that fight was absolutely awful when they fought that fight. Uh, that was last summer, I believe, as well. That fight was just, man, that was, that was a very forgettable fight. Don't get me wrong. So now Francis has come back and he knocked out Curtis Blades, who's ranked number four right now in the world. Knocked out Cain Velasquez, who I think is probably the second greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. And then he had the knockout win over Junior Dos Santos, who was probably, he was the top five UFC heavyweight of all time and former champion. Francis knocked all three of them out within the first round. You know, he's back on a, on, I think his career's back. He's back on track after those two losses. And he's saying, let's do it, you know? And I think this is the time where you have to give him the title shot. And now Cipe came back. Man, he, whether the early storm against DC, he was taken down. He looked like he was hurt early, came back, finished DC in those later rounds, put some great combos together, paced himself, and he finished DC. Now, if he was to fight Francis this time, I don't think he's eating a lot of those shots that he ate and stood in the pocket and, you know, he took shots from DC. He won't be able to take those shots from Francis. Obviously, he'll have a different game plan, and he'll have to work the... He'll have to work it where he's the one pressing forward, and he's looking for takedowns. He's different combos up. Where you saw in this fight with the DC, the last fight, he was just trying to stand with DC, and he wanted to get DC, bait DC into a striking match more than, of course, DC taking him down. We saw in the first round when DC took him down at ease and worked that fight, which that's the fight that Javier Mendez and Bob Cook wanted. They wanted DC to take Stipe down and... Ground and pound, fight your fight, DC. Obviously, DC didn't do that. We saw the ending result. He got finished. Now, if they fight a third time, I really think DC's going to come out and be the wrestler that he is, that we know he is. One of the greatest you know, wrestlers that's ever been in the UFC. Been in mixed martial arts, in my opinion. So, that fight would be... But it's just that Francis and Stipe is just a lot more appealing right now than a DC-Stipe trilogy fight. Right, DC and Stipe trilogy fight. I think it's going to sell. It's going to do really well. But I just think the Francis and Stipe fight would be just so much better because what if Stipe Francis goes in there, he beats Stipe, then you have new fights we can make. Then maybe we could see DC and Stipe. Are we see the super fight between John Jones and Stipe? You know, where John Jones, you know, goes up, you know, fights Stipe, and John Jones is looking to become a you know a champ champ, and he tries to win the double belts. You know what I mean? Just so much more intriguing. Uh, if we get Stipe versus Francis, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping the UFC goes that route, uh, and we just see what happens. You know, 
but it's just a very, very exciting time right now in the UFC. I got to, well, and then of course, let, let me just do this real quick too. I got to show some love to, uh, you know, the 145 and 135 pound division right now. I know Henry Cejudo is out until sometime early next year. So there's not a lot of talks right now in 135. I know Jose Aldo is moving down. He's fighting on, uh, he's fighting next month uh, against Morales at the 